0: Well, this morning i'm wrapping up jim's sermon series nope i love that he named it that stuff that isn't actually in the bible or half truths that that uh, we might need to refute and so this morning we're looking at the saying forgive and forget and uh, i'm going to be reading to you out of the message version of the bible this morning luke chapter 17 verses 1 through 4. jesus said to his disciples. Hard trials and temptations are bound to come, but too bad for whoever brings them on. Better to wear a millstone necklace and take a swim in the deep blue sea than give even one of these dear little ones a hard time. Be alert. If you see that your friend's going wrong, correct him. If he responds, forgive him. Even if it's personal against you and repeated, seven times through the day and seven times he says i'm sorry i won't do it again forgive him this is god's word for god's people well there were two little brothers harry and james and they were playing and somehow as often happens when little brothers are playing harry whacked james with a stick and tears and bitter words followed and Charges and accusations were still being exchanged as their mom was tucking them in that evening to bed. And she said, now boys, what would happen if either of you died tonight and you never had an opportunity to forgive one another? I think you need to take care of this tonight. And James spoke up and he said, well, I'll forgive him tonight, but if we're still alive in the morning, he better watch out. (laughs) Sounds like James should have cracked his Bible open. You know, the Bible contains a bunch of references regarding forgiveness, a number of them tied to our need to forgive wrongs committed against us, to the fact that God's forgiven our wrongs. And we just prayed that prayer, did we not? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or, as one little four year old said, forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. You know, we're to forgive in the same way and to the same degree that God forgives us. And some passages, like today's, remind us that God expects us to grant forgiveness no matter how many times we've been offended. No matter how many times somebody puts trash in our baskets. Today's passage helps us to understand that Jesus is all about his disciples being forces for good and for our relationships being restorative. Not only are we to be forgiving, a disciple of Jesus doesn't want to do anything that would cause anyone else to sin. You know, perhaps when Jesus talks about the consequences of influencing someone towards sin as being worthy of a millstone necklace. I love the way that the message puts that. Uh, But then in the next breath, he encourages limitless forgiveness. Maybe Jesus wants us to understand that forgiveness is equally as critical as not influencing someone towards sin. Forgiveness is serious business. No wonder the Bible devotes so much ink to this particular topic. But nowhere in the Bible are we instructed to forgive and forget. It's not in the Bible. As Jim's been saying, is it there? Nope, it's not. The prophets never said it. The apostles didn't say it. Jesus didn't say it. You know who said forgive and forget? Forget. Shakespeare. Act 4, scene 7 of King Lear, forgive and forget. In fact, I'd like to make a case today for why forgetting our own trespasses as well as those committed against us is not such a great idea. We don't want to Totally forget the past for the same reason we study history. So we don't keep making the same boneheaded mistakes all down through history. All the things that we've done in the past, we don't want to do those over and over again. So that history does not repeat itself. Imagine if our memories were wiped out of the atrocities of the Holocaust, of the stories and the images, of the proof of the truth that humans are indeed capable of such evil. Imagine if we didn't have them before us to remind us to stand up for what is right and good. Wouldn't humanity be more likely to stumble unchecked down that same path again? If we forgave and then completely forgot about sins committed against us, we may be setting ourselves up to be used as a doormat or for abuse, or in the least, for healthy boundaries with others to be violated. And if we're to forgive ourselves, and then completely forget how we sinned, we'd lose sight of how, not just the good choices we've made, but the bad ones have formed us. Not to mention the impact that those poor choices had on those around us. And if we forgot what we've been forgiven for, wouldn't we be less likely to dispense mercy to those who need forgiving? We'd lose a, a healthy sense of gratitude for God's mercy if we completely forgot our past sins. You know, there's a song I love about how we should view our forgiven sins. It's its chorus is a prayer to God saying heal the wound but leave the scar a reminder of how merciful you are I just love that remembering God's mercy keeps us humble and grateful both of which are stellar qualities in a Christian by the way but you say aren't we supposed to be like God Doesn't the Bible say that God forgets our sins when God forgives us? Well, no, not exactly. Psalm 103 says that God has removed our transgressions from as far as the east is from the west. And I believe that means that they are not attached to us or accounted against us any longer. And in three places that I could find, Hebrews 8, Isaiah 43 and Jeremiah 31, they all indicate that God will forgive our sins and remember them no more. There's a difference between forgetting and choosing to remember no more. Forgetting is acting like it never was, scrubbing it from your hard drive, right, your memory, Forgetting is like locking a memory in a box and and tossing it out into the deepest part of the sea where you can never find it again. The memory is inaccessible at that point. But remembering an event no more is to put it behind you, choosing not to dredge it up and keep remembering it. Keep bringing it to the forefront of your mind. It's more like putting it in a box and storing it in the attic where you don't see it all the time. But it's accessible to you in case there's a necessary reason for you to remember. A reason that's good for you or good for another. But not so we can beat ourselves over the head with the past or hold it over the head of someone who we say we've forgiven. You know, like that poor guy, you've all heard this joke. Dr. Bill, I think you've told it two or three times from this pulpit. Like that poor guy who complained to his buddy that whenever he argued with his wife, she got historical. And his friend said, you mean hysterical? And he said, no, historical. She dredges up the pastor and reminds me every time of how I failed her. It still works, Dr. Bill. Yeah. Forgiving someone of their offense against you and remembering it no more is not saying what they did against us is okay. It's simply choosing not to hold on to and continue to harbor bitterness in your heart toward them or hold their sin over their head. That doesn't mean that your friend or won't pay any natural consequences for the way that they've offended you. Forgiving and remembering no more, choosing to stop rehearsing how someone has hurt you means letting it go so it doesn't eat you alive. And it, it paves the way for improved relationships. But it's not forgetting what happens so you'll just fall for the same old stuff all over again. One of the Greek words used in the New Testament for forgiveness is aphieni. And it means to release when God forgives us, we are released from the burden that is attached to our sin. The debt, the guilt, the shame that we feel. But I think it also works this way that when we forgive another, we release our hold over the desire to get even. We release the bitterness and the blame that we're holding in our hearts. It's been said that holding on to the resentment that you have is like drinking poison and hoping that the person who's hurt you is gonna be the one who gets sick and and dies. When we forgive and choose to quit constantly remembering, we release hold of that cup full of poison. And when we accept God's forgiveness and forgive ourselves, we release the shame and the self-condemnation. We, we quit beating ourselves over the head. In the Apostle Paul's teaching, there's some tension between uh, this notion of the need to forget the past and yet remember at the same time. In one breath, in Philippians 3, Paul says he's forgetting the past, what lies behind, and straining toward what lies ahead. I think he's saying that he's choosing not to allow his past actions that he did before he met Jesus to paralyze him. He's not going to let the memories of throwing Christians in prison and killing them, which was job one for him before he encountered Christ. He's not going to let those memories, that shame, get in the way of living a productive life for the kingdom. But then in the next breath, in Ephesians 2, He calls the Gentile believers to remember that they were at one time separated from Christ. First he calls us to forget, and then he calls us to remember. So what gives Paul? Are you saying we should remember or forget the past? Well, I bet Paul would say that that depends. That depends. He'd counsel us to remember or choose to remember no more. The past based on what was best for us, for our walk with God, for our relationships, and what is best for God's kingdom. I think we find that spirit in Paul's writings. We also consistently encounter Paul encouraging an attitude of forgiveness. And certainly, a healthy attitude of remembering no more would be included in that notion of forgiveness. Now, granted, it's so much easier, so much easier to release, to let it go, to stop dredging up hurtful memories when the person who's offended us has repented and actually asked for our forgiveness. It's so much easier then to forgive. And, and that concept of repentance and asking for forgiveness, I believe, is supported in this morning's scripture But do we have to forgive someone if they don't repent and ask for forgiveness? After all, today's passage says that if a brother or sister sins against us, we're to go to them, we're to rebuke them, to point it out to them. And if they repent, if they respond to your correction, then forgive them. That's what's instructed today in in the scripture. So it does say that, but Jesus is talking here about believers and how they are to deal with one another in order to reconcile relationship, which is the end goal when it comes to forgiveness. But the fact is that sometimes we're sinned against and our oppressor is not repentant. So what then? Are we still required to forgive? Yep, we're called to forgive as we are forgiven. But there's a different flavor to the forgiveness at that point. When we are sinned against, when we're hurt or harmed by another, and our oppressor doesn't repent or ask for forgiveness, we still need to forgive, but it's then primarily for our own sake, our own sanity, our own heart, our own mind. We choose to release it and remember it no more so it doesn't eat us alive. So we can move on with life. The relationship between you and the offender, it may never get reconciled. But on the other hand, your attitude of forgiveness may have a powerful effect on them that eventually brings them around to regretting the way they've treated you and asking for forgiveness and getting right with you and getting right with God. It's our job as Christians to reflect the heart God has toward sinners as we deal with their offenses toward us. After all, Romans 5 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us when your unrepentant oppressor experiences your act of undeserved forgiveness, which is exactly what Jesus gave us, and you tell them it's because God has forgiven you, that's powerful. That's a powerful testimony that the Holy Spirit can use to draw them into God's love. So that's one flavor of forgiveness, forgiving the unrepentant. And then, of course, there's another flavor. And that flavor of forgiveness happens as the result of your offender actually repenting and asking for forgiveness. Repenting meaning turning turning the other way and walking in a different direction, stopping doing what they were doing. When that happens, it's not just about your own health your own spirit, your own soul. It's about restoring relationship if it's safe and if it's possible to do so at that point. In either case, we are called to forgive, period. And the results of a forgiving heart set can only be good. So let me give you some reminders, a few tips of a healthy way to go about forgiving. First, we've got to ask God for help and and admit that we can't go about this forgiveness business on our own speed. We need God's help. If you've been carrying bitterness, you need the strength that God can give you to lay it down. It's time to repent then. If you've got bitterness in, in your heart, it's time for you to repent and ask God to, to forgive you of that bitterness. And also time for you to ask God to open your eyes to maybe whatever part you played in the issue that caused the offense. And confess and repent as, as the Holy Spirit reveals that need to you. What part did you play? Then you trust God with the details. In prayer before God, you acknowledge that someone sinned against you and it hurt bad. Before God, you want to recognize the consequences of your offender's actions. Tell God how it impacted your life. Tell God why it hurt, how it feels. Cry out, howl at the moon, rant and rave. God can handle it. Get out what's been buried inside of you that poison, so that it doesn't define you down the road. Now you're ready to forgive that person. First before God. This is a vertical transaction that we're going to make before we offer forgiveness to the offender. We're going to do this work with God first. Just between you and God at this point. It doesn't take anybody off the hook when you forgive It's you making the choice to free yourself from carrying that burden around any longer. You're forgiving for your own benefit at this point. Handing every effect that that sin had on your life over to God. It's natural for us to want to decide uh, how the person who hurt us should be dealt with like a little girl whose brother broke her doll. And as her mom tried to calm her down, she said, now Sarah, your brother said he was sorry, he you broke your doll, so I hope you'll forgive him. She said, all right, but I'd feel more like forgiving him if I could smack him first. <laughs> as you're doing this vertical transaction with God, you're gonna trust God to deal with your offender. You're going to trust that God will protect you and your heart and defend your heart based on what you know about God, that God loves you. You're also going to trust that God will somehow redeem your hurt, that he'll make something beautiful rise up out of the ashes. Trusting God for all this means that you give up the right to decide what's going to happen to the person who offended you. After doing this work with God, you're now free to approach your offender cleansed of bitterness, free of judgment, and free of a spirit of retribution. You don't want to smack them anymore. It's best for you to give them an opportunity, though, to apologize and repent before you declare your forgiveness. That way, you're not going to rob them of the freedom that repentance brings. But if that's not possible... You can forgive them, remember, without them offering their apologies, their repentance. You don't need that because, remember, you're forgiving for your own benefit at that point. And so God can use you as a witness of God's grace and mercy. When we forgive others who are unrepentant for for our own sake when we do that work for our own sake so it doesn't drive us nuts, (laughs) and we enter back into relational space that our offender occupies, you know, it creates a different environment. It creates an environment in which their own repentance can happen and in which reconciliation and restoration of relationship can happen. It gives them the opportunity to experience God's love flowing from you and to ask for your forgiveness as well as God's. If you are hanging on to unforgiveness today, I pray you'll forgive. Not forget, but be like Jesus, full of grace and mercy. Forgive and choose to not allow the memories to dominate you or your relationships any longer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you that you've created in us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the capacity to do this hard work. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's wrestling with this concept I pray that your spirit will strengthen them and empower them to release to you the hurt. I pray that we'll all remember your great mercy, your great love, O God, the way you have forgiven us so that we can turn around and be like you, Jesus. That's my prayer. And I give it with thanks in the name of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.